how are you? <laughs> it's been pointed out that we say eh a bit. So I, I looked up on YouTube. Um, you can there's ways like kind of methods to try and stop it. So there's one guy who's like just close your mouth every time you stop talking. Close your mouth. Do you ever come across any ways of doing it in your acting or anything like no, that? No, I'm, but I'm sure like Wayne Rooney was media trained to stop saying um um. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there are ways around. Well, yeah. So yeah, it's something I'm trying to work on. Hello, uh, everyone who listens to this. Uh, it's Paul here uh, with uh, the other Paul. Me, yeah. The other Paul, Paul Webster. Uh, yeah, so we are up on episode 19. Um, we have Ken Wardrop, one of my favourite Irish filmmakers, makes, makes really beautiful character-centric documentaries, and he has one out at the moment. It's in cinemas called Making, it, Making the Grade, and we really encourage you to go see it if you can at all. So... We talk about that, we talk about his career. Uh, such a nice guy, really funny, and yeah, it was a great conversation. Yeah, he's, he's very down to earth and, uh, uh, you know, a, a realist in terms of the type of work that he does, and he seems to enjoy what he does still, which is nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, he gave us uh, loads of time, and, you know, it was just a really nice conversation. So, we have a little bit of news. Yes, this is where Paul will insert the uh, drum roll uh, sound effect from the free BBC archive that they just released last week. Uh, yeah, we're um, yeah we're moving house. Yeah, so the Headstuff platform, so Headstuff is uh, a really cool website, and they are the home for loads of great podcasts like the Alison Spittle Show, Joe Rooney. Um, yeah, a bunch. Check it out. There's a, there's a bunch of great ones. So we are going to be there, and it's going to help us make the podcast better. We're going to have a home. We've been trying to find a home for the last while. So thanks for being patient with us. Uh, we're just We've been trying our best to, to find a way to get the, the audio better and to get you know somewhere where our guests can come and all that. So from here now, I think we, we, we're going to be able to really expand. And, and yeah, but production, the production value is going to be out the fucking door. <laughs> uh, no, it'll be, uh, it'll be a level of consistency. Of course, we'll have to go and do some mobile ones now and again depending on circumstances. But, uh, yeah, uh, thanks a million to all the guys at uh, uh, Headstuff. Headstuff. They, they have the stuff to do it, lads. Uh, yeah. F- for, uh, for, yeah, for collaborating with us because it's very much a long-term uh, collaboration in terms of uh, in terms of the, the quality of, of, of work we want to do and as the, the you know, the, the scope of what it is that we're trying to achieve expands uh, over the next while. So, yeah, um, Ken Wardrobe is up next. Ken Wardrobe. <laughs> Uh, today we're very lucky to be joined by uh, the wonderful Ken Wardrop. Am I saying that right? Wardrop? Oh yeah, wonderful. Wardrobe. It's just the right word. Wardrop. <laughs> uh, Wardrop. Wardrop. Uh, you won't be the first to have said Wardrobe. Yeah, I was like, is there like an elongated bell there somewhere or something? And, you know, some people can be quite offended by that. So. No, yeah, you're uh, alright. Hello. It's, it's, hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time to uh, to uh, be on the podcast, uh, Rapture. So yeah, basically, we uh, you have a uh, feature doc out at the moment by the name of Making the Grade. Yep, it is indeed Making the Grade. The 
and it is a featured doc although we kind of have to disguise the word documentary sometimes where people won't bother their arses so to speak to go see it because they think um you know i suppose they think it's going to be academic or something especially about uh, like the film's all about piano lessons but uh, i don't think it's academic in any way so yeah, I think that's changing that perception of documentary i guess things like netflix or is that helping that old kind of fussy idea of documentary that people are a little bit allergic to. I think you're, you're right, actually. Netflix is really changing things up across the board, isn't it, for us all as filmmakers. And certainly there are a lot of high-profile docs that are getting large audiences on platforms like that. So it is helping for sure. And it's educating and um, audiences and just opening, I suppose, a window into that world. Um, but still, it's complicated and difficult to get people into cinemas, see Irish films firstly, and then see Irish documentaries. It's another ball uh, game altogether. So, um, you know, it's it's really important as a filmmaker that, you know, you market and pitch the film properly. And it was only today I realised on the poster, um, we'd kind of went out with an original poster and then there was a new quad kind of created and I noticed it was like with the word documentary it was in one of the quotes and I was like oh maybe that's a really bad idea because <laughs> yeah well because the film like is so uh, warm and fun and everybody who's seeing it is not actually calling it documentary they're seeing it as something else completely different we jumped a few stages really because we're in the distribution and of filmmaking, but I suppose it's very much on my mind because I'm going around the country doing Q&As and trying to get people into the cinema. And I feel I'm really, I haven't done this before. Like, I, I, obviously, I've only made two other films, but I haven't felt the need to sell and sell and sell. And that's because I really feel this film has... Um, has potential to reach a wider audience and maybe it's not going to do that. And that's really disappointing as a filmmaker I don't care about the money or like and I know people say oh that's but I actually just want people to see it mm. and you know I almost give money back guarantees if people don't enjoy it you know that way yeah, it's yeah. not actually I just want uh, and for like especially uh, music people who love music and have been through this kind of uh, process of um, learning an instrument and so forth I just know they're going to like it yeah, you know yeah, yeah I suppose it's cathartic in a way <coughs> have now have you boys seen it I saw it last night oh did yeah, you yeah, yeah, okay yeah. okay good good and I haven't but I will okay great you see this is it I'm here bloody well trying to evangelise and one of the <laughs> podcast filmmakers has not seen the film <laughs> well, you've, well I'm definitely going to go <laughs> I just thought I'd try to embarrass no, I have you. seen some of, your, uh, some of your work and it's really warm and engaging and you know it's uh, very yeah uh, highlights the human condition a lot of the time yeah and that's what it's about isn't it so what we might do is so we'll come back to making the next yeah we'll, we'll go through that journey sure how you got there yeah um, so we might just go back to the very beginning and, and where your love of film came from and how you started making yeah, well, I'm a Philistine. I'm not one of you guys that had probably grown up 
really engaged and motivated and wanting to tell stories. I came to it quite late. So um, I was 26 years of age when I went back to college to study film. And even then I didn't think I was going to be a filmmaker. I thought I was going to be a production designer or I was going to be maybe a producer. Um, So it all began really um, for me when... I was, okay, long story or short story? (laughs) I don't know. So uh, brought up in the Midlands of Ireland and went off to school, Church of Ireland. So I was packed off and sent to a boarding school. Uh, Country, like farmers, you know, it's very... um, Wilson's Hospital School. So it's it's in the Midlands. It's really it was just full of farmers' kids, really. And um, from there, I suppose I was very fortunate because it was just quite alternative. Now it wasn't necessarily alternative in the creative sense. Mm-hmm. It was just such a mixed bag of people. And that during that process, it was also a gay guy kind of suffering because it was like. Um, you, uh, I'm going quite deep here into uh, trying to work out yeah, yeah. what ultimately led me to becoming a filmmaker, mm-hmm. and like it's sort of if you know this was the eighties, but you know it was kind of survival of the fittest if you're a gay kid, and you know I was going to sink or swim in the bullying and the kind of nastiness that can go on, mm-hmm. and I suppose I learned how to be creative in that survival space (laughs) now that's kind of it's I'm only kind of copying that now that maybe that's where a lot of this came from so maybe there was some elements of performance or yes yes and you know I was playing rugby and I was pretending to be something maybe I wasn't I was very good at rugby, so I was very fortunate. So I could ring, if run. I my, if I say so myself. <laughs> yes, well, because people might think, you know, I was. Well, God, that is. Yeah, I want to be. I want to say because I was at the time, and this is all down to my old brother, my older brother, who kind of taught me how to play the sport. So I was well ahead of kids when I arrived. So I'd kind of, anyway. By the time I was leaving, I was I was down the bottom of the heap. Anyway, during that time, you learn uh, how to uh, adapt. And as you say, um, maybe there's an element of performance, being something that you're not and, you know, all of that. And then I changed schools and came up to Dublin and it kind of multiplied by three, the kind of of, uh, survival needs that were required. And then I went on to Trinity College, Dublin, to study um, geography and sociology. And I did deeply regretted that and I didn't know what I was at and lost in no man's land. And I, so I decided to go away for uh, a year to London to study as a Erasmus total cop out because like it was just I uh, just wanted to get out of Dublin. And uh, so I went over there and I partied really hard for the year and I rang my mother like two two or three weeks just before the exams to say I've been to six classes I am so not going to even bother mum I'm going to fail and she was like don't worry um, you know uh, we never expected much from this course <laughs> anyway so uh, I kind of I ended up then uh, weirdly enough in that period of being in London I was in a a halls of residence and my next door neighbour was a runner in a company called Frame Store which is massively like big now I mean back then it was kind of a small company and uh, 
he got me a job in Framestore and I started to work as a runner in post-production and we were working on great stuff like you know all the big James Bond uh, title sequences we got we would be in the company that did um I've forgotten the title of it something with dinosaurs walking with dinosaurs yeah, back in the day it was yeah. massive it won yeah. Emmys and all of that so there was great stuff happening and I was not interested in the slightest I was like I was just there to make money to satisfy my partying lifestyle I guess looking back at it now it sounds very formative as well yeah, well, it could have been. I mean, my God, I could have leaped ahead of myself if I had engaged with it. But I worked uh, after college had finished. I needed a full-time job. So they hired me as the librarian or one of the librarians in there. Mm-hmm. And I think I worked there for about two years. And I think on my last day, someone did ask me to just check what was on one of the tapes. And I was like, how do I do that? And they were like you play it in the machine in the machine room and I was like I don't know how to operate that yoke and they just couldn't believe that I'd not had to do it and so again sort of survival not knowing what and not really caring that I would um, anyway so moving on I got I went away for a while came back and started work in an architect's uh, office so this is where I'm coming to where it all ends up so uh, about two years into being an office manager in an architect's office that had grown from two to 26. So I'd learned how to do the accounts of quite a big firm. I had been involved in a lot of the marketing side, definitely um, the all the admin. I was the only admin staff there. And uh, so I learned a lot about that world. Yeah. But the one thing I learned, I suppose, the biggest thing I took away from it was the fact that I so didn't belong to that world. Mm-hmm. I was so uninterested in getting out of bed to get up and go into work and everybody else who were architects were in for seven leaving at ten totally absorbed in their work Mm -hmm. and excited about their daily routines where I was you know I was actually I'm yeah. doing this very well but I'm getting no satisfaction out of it no satisfaction yeah. and then it was uh, one Saturday that I'd been dragged in to do something and one of the associates was there and there were two main bosses and he came over to me and said Ken a word in your ear you need to get out of here yeah. and I was like uh, they were friends to be honest yeah. at this yeah. stage and I said I know I do and that started me on the road back home Gosh, I told you it was long. So I came. Okay, so I came back home, and I uh, was living in Dublin. And a girl from Norway came over to. She was a friend of a friend, and she needed a place to stay for a few nights. And she was doing the interview for Dunleary, the film school. And she ended up that night hooking up with my housemate and having a relationship. And she moved in. And so I was landed with this girl from Norway who was studying film in Dunleary. And I started to help her because it was at, 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 I was trying to work out what to do now. Because yeah. I'm here in Dublin trying to reinvent myself. Yeah. And I started to work as a as a stage manager in a play and I thought, oh, this is like, I'm getting closer. There's something more interesting about this world. Yeah. And Kristen introduced me to film really and it was much more about the making than the watching because at this stage now I wouldn't be a cinephile I wasn't watching lots of great movies I'm like any other person out there uh, just being subjected to the regular stuff so uh, myself and Kristen uh, she 
uh, bonded and she convinced me to put together a portfolio and I'd say it was the first time I'd ever picked up a camera and went out and looked through a lens and started to explore the world and it was just something I started to really really enjoy and I got really aggressive about it because I was like I'm getting into film school now so I had the whole shebang I'd worked out that you know you'll get in as a producer because there'll be uh, 250 directors applying and five producers. So I'll be up against five other people. So I went in with a real targeted approach. And of course, this was all helped by Kristen because she knew the, the, how to do it. I suppose the logistics and kind of commerce angle helped as well. Yes, of course. I was playing to my strengths, having coming from an admin sort of background. And yeah. I'm very good at budgets. Yeah, I'm really I'm good. No problem. <laughs> Unfortunately, we were doing work for Nike, so the budgets were rather bigger than what you got at a student shoot, you know, yeah. and you're feeding people at Mars bars and, yeah. and you know, thank yous. And, and you, you were in your mid-twenties at this point? I was 26. Okay. So I did... Uh, in order to go back to college, I went. I was unemployed for a while, and well, I wasn't unemployed. We all. Yeah, <laughs> but I was doing a FOSS course, which was possibly the greatest FOSS course ever invented. I know FOSS is no longer with us, and this may be one of the reasons. It was called mural painting, right. and I did it in the zoo. So for six months, I was studying to be a mural artist in the zoo. Wow. <laughs> and, I, and I couldn't draw. Like, and I got on this wonderful course, and it was great. Yeah. So every day, I'd go up, I'd saunter up, and it was during... By the way, this was during the summer, and it was beautiful. Yeah. And it was a great moment in that process, um, in those six months. Um, you'd... My favourite spot in the morning was the bat pen because it was dark and warm and you could kind of catch up on a little sleep. <laughs> and I was in my own world when I was surrounded by a horde of students on a, one of the school trips. Mm-hmm. And they were asking me questions while I was drawing and were like, looking down at my pad. <laughs> they were drawing and going, what is he drawing? These don't look like bats. But... Um, my, f- I looked up and I went, oh my goodness, it's Miss Mays. Hello. And she was my former teacher and it was my old school. And she was like, oh, Ken, so what are you up to? And I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so that was, that was a, nice, a nice memory. So after that, I got into film school and really the rest is history because that was the start of um, the, this wonderful adventure for me, you know. So why docs? Well, yeah, it came, done, yeah, done some, so some it's, it's, drama yeah, well, I haven't done much drama now, I did one and it failed miserably, so that's why you, <laughs> you don't see it too often. So, um, docs came out of, the first year in film school, you have to pitch for an opportunity to make a film on 16, and of course, 16 millimeter is such um there's such great excitement about it and in film school you got your only four people out of the class 30 got to be the director and it's really competitive and i pitched and i failed you know i didn't you know i wasn't one of the chosen four so obviously me being competitive ken was like (laughs) i'll show them so i had to go out and make a little project of my own and i used a little camera and one of my classmates came down and we made a film called hen which explored my niece getting a pet hen and the family's you know traumatized by the idea of this hen um 
and it's a mockumentary <laughs> about a hen and what it's going to mean to the family. Yeah. And it went down really well. And I personally thought it was the best film of the year. <laughs> so that was... Then I discovered, wait a minute, this is kind of easy because my family are... Yeah, my family are hilarious. Yeah. Uh, and making documentaries, you don't need a big crew. I don't have to win the pitches. I can go out and do them myself. Mm-hmm. And and so that's where the kind of journey started. And I really enjoyed the process. Not just the shooting. It was the editing I kind of got sucked into. And working alongside Andrew Friedman, who's now my producer. Or my producer. Our working team. I mean, that sounds like... <laughs> my yeah, producer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Andrew, so yeah. undressing my mother would have came out... Yeah, that was my... uh, So in third year, you do a graduation film, and I made two uh, films. The first one was a class project, and that was Useless Dog. And the second one was a graduation project, which was Undressing My Mother. And uh, both films uh, were, you know, very... You know, I'm very proud of both films, because they were such a... Useless Dog was such a joy to make, and Undressing My Mother kind of, I suppose, changed things up for me on so many, even personal levels. Uh, so I guess it was just, uh, for me, gave me confidence when I was leaving college, because I was 30 years of age now, you know, so I'm not, I see the young kids and I realise, okay, I'm going to have to make more of an impact pretty quick because you know looking at the trajectory and how long a filmmaker takes to get a career up and running you know I think a lot of the people I was in college with back then are only really kick-starting properly now their careers you know it's take it's a long slog for a lot of them to get the opportunity to make a feature for example so um it opened a few doors I guess it you know did very well on the festival circuit so I could have capitalised more on it when I look back and the opportunities were thrown my way, but I wasn't, uh, I suppose, I was very confident in short-form filmmaking, but I didn't quite have the confidence for feature. Uh, But it did set me up for, you know, certainly the Irish Film Board, for example, being interested in knowing what I was going to do next and uh, being in the mix, so to speak, of the the young girl, uh, sorry, I'm trying to remember who wasn't quite young. But, you know, the emerging filmmakers of the time, I would have been in that pot, which was exciting, you know, because suddenly I had jumped over a few hurdles. You know, I didn't have to, um, you know, make a, um, a short with the Irish Film Board or go in and that application. So I'd already made a short. I'd proven myself in that sense. So I could kind of skip through a few little loops. Now, having said that, I didn't really activate it. It was a few years before we really went in with the his and hers treatments and so okay. forth. Um, what was it about Undressing My Mother that took off so much or why did you think it was so successful? Um, I think it's the honesty in the film. I think that also, obviously, it's dealing with a subject matter that uh, festivals probably felt had a lot of merit. And... Um, it was in the zeitgeist back then you know the body image was just during that whole period of you know the heroin chic and all of this kind of bullology that was going on in in the magazines of the time i think we all there's a moment i think in you know these kind of subjects that they just 
come true. I think Undressing My Mother now would be kind of passe. It's not really as relevant, but it had a moment. And also... I think in in when you're programming short film festivals, it can be quite difficult uh, to find slots for documentaries. Mm. But here they were presented with something that was a nice uh, length. It was only five minutes, and yet it had a, quite a, it kicked a punch, you know, or pulled a punch. Sorry, and uh, so it just fit neatly into those and. It, and because of that, it stood out because it was in the mix of all these dramas and you were... Yeah, so just... it it Look, I didn't win every festival yeah, or anything, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it had a nice life. Yeah. And we, I remember we weren't getting into festivals with that film and I had to change the ending of it. So it had two lives. It literally got in nowhere and then I changed the ending and it got in everywhere. And it was a big learning lesson because I was like, oh my goodness... I'm so going to test my films. And ever since I was testing my films. What was the original ending? The original ending went, it pulled back from the scene. So the final is, the final image is a track along my mother's body and then it goes to black. And it came back up from black and it pulled away to show the cinematographer taking down the blacks off the lights and stuff. And it just pulled you out of the scene and people didn't want to, people didn't want to see the mechanics, the yeah, the magic trick. yes, yeah, of yeah. course. And you know, in hindsight, it was the student filmmaker in me that was going one step too fucking did, far. Did somebody, <laughs> did someone flag that with you? I know uh, we showed it. Yes, it was. It got so its premiere. Sadly, in a way, was <laughs> in Hamburg, which is a wonderful short film festival. And I went over to it and at the Q&A someone asked me the question why and then there was this big debate in the audience. I wasn't even party to, you know, they all started to debate the ending of it and I was like, wait a minute, I really don't want there to be a debate about the ending. I'll just drop it. And then no one's ever spoke about the ending ever since. And yeah, and then it got into Sundance and it got into Cannes and it got, you know, so it had, you know, different things happened to it thereafter but literally it hadn't been picked up mm, wow yeah and did you so then just go on in your career you kind of went and worked you set up your company from then, from then yeah so when I was in Dunleary I connected with Andrew Friedman who is um, now a producer back then Andrew was an editor and he was the best in the class so I was chasing Andrew to edit my material back when I'd hen I knew I had this thing and I thought it could be quite funny and Andrew and I were in, we were in the same class but we were all separated into groups and he was in a different group so it was difficult to kind of convince him so I, I do recall him looking at the material and was like come on it'll work and he was like yeah okay I'll do it for you and that was the beginning of like our creative relationship and you know obviously we're best of friends now I was his best man at the wedding and you know and he was like speaking about such difference like Andrew was 18 years of age I think was I was the first gay person he'd ever met so it was (laughs) was a shock to his system and um, you know uh, yeah and I was 26 but sure Andrew's an old man in a young you know he was back then he was so yeah most uh, producers yeah and editors yeah you're right they do tend to be quite yeah just to talk about, so you're a filmmaker, but you also have the company. Yeah. And two companies. 
Yes. How do you balance all those plates? Well, I have to say, I'm just the balancing. Okay. I'm just here for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm available when needed. I do. So currently, I would be uh, very much involved in the development of projects in Venom. Okay. So we have different, uh, a few drama projects and a few documentaries in development early stages so i'm trying to be the person that works alongside other directors okay so you mediate yeah yeah not on every project but i'm starting and this is only sort of the new thing in the last eight months i suppose so it and projects take quite a long time to get up and running and to kind of for Mm. the stars to align so they you know i haven't managed to get them aligned but we're on the way yeah, it's, and it's, it's, it's very much one step forward, two step back. It is, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, but I'm really enjoying working with fellow filmmakers. I just find it's uh, it's exciting to be, um, you know, helping and throwing out ideas, and they're not not having the pressure so much as just saying like, "This is an idea, take it or leave it." Yeah. I because I've always felt um, over that I'm I'm. I'm good that way uh, that I'll listen to ideas I won't adopt them mm-hmm. uh, but I would know a good one when I hear it yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's why I'm kind of like I like throwing ideas out there whether they stick it's up to other people but um, so I'm an ideas man you know yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. I just always trying I'm not exactly brilliant at doing mm-hmm. uh, but ideas I enjoy but the just, idea of collaboration and, and very yeah. the truest sense of getting in a room and banging yeah, and and yeah. the best idea winning out I guess yeah um, yeah how do you feel yeah. like what's what would be your strength in terms of filmmaking like your films always have these amazing connections with people and how do you go about actually what's your approach to interview your creative process man. <laughs> yeah well it's not it's not a creative process sorry I'm going to get emotional because I'm kind of tired <laughs> tired and emotional <laughs> yeah I'm very tired because <laughs> I've just had a trip but like the best part I have is when I you know connecting with people you yeah. talk about it yeah. and you know I, I just got a beautiful email from someone that was in the film yeah. and like I'm kind of used to this now even though you know I've only made a few films but uh, it means so much for people uh, to be part of projects like this you know like you're making the grade and stuff yeah. and I'm genuinely making films, I believe, that don't have huge things at stake, that aren't big causes, that are kind of celebrations of life and the everyday life that we all lead. And, like, some people, like, I always think, you know, when you ask people if they want to be involved in a project, the ones up front who are putting up their hands and screaming to be in it, yeah, that's great. But I'm sort of, I like the person at the back of the room with their head down and that doesn't want to be part of it because yeah. they don't think they've anything to, you know, yeah. and, and that's what I get excited about having throwing uh, a light on that type of person. And okay. to date, um, the projects have been a bit like that, you okay. know. So, anyway, I, I don't know what I'm getting at there. I'm, I'm confusing myself, but no, no, uh, no, look, I know I'm talking to two guys who make films. I am no expert in how to move a camera, how to construct a scene. You know, yeah. I wing it. Yeah. What I do well is I sit and I chat and I listen to people yeah. and I, I latch on to something that I think is going to be universal and familiar to all of us. And some, an essence that I think is 
within that person's soul that if I can get it out, people will appreciate and understand and go with and laugh yeah. with and laugh uh, with the spirit, understand the spirit. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't know how to explain yeah, myself. I guess on a meta- tap, tap into the humanity of, of, of reveal, you know, a truth in, in, in yeah. certain people, particularly people. But Obviously, I, you're very good at putting people at, you know, at ease. Yeah. Well, it's which is you know, probably the you know biggest part of my job, isn't it? Yeah. As any filmmaker, but like honestly, I'm also interested, and I think that's a lot of the difference too. I was on. This is on the record, but no one will listen to this. But you know, I, you know, when you're on the media circuit and you're like talking to interest, like you do realize actually no one's that interested. Okay. They don't care. And so I do believe when I'm going down and I'm investing, I'm making a film, I go in and I'm having the chats, but I'm genuinely interested. You care. Yeah, I care. And I care because I want to make a great film, but I also want to make sure that I represent this person in the appropriate manner and that it'll be like... Uh, There'll be a spirit about it that's yeah. true and honest, and yeah. Yeah. So going back to his and hers, like in a way, you've kind of invented the genre, but at the time there was nothing before that. That was really like his and hers in Ireland. How how did? How well, did now they're all ripping it off. How was it? Oh no, it's kind of became Wonder. Oh, that's great! Oh my god, that's great! I always, by the way, when I write treatments, I'm always like, "Where?" I don't mean to be cliche, but where's Anderson? Okay. Because people have started saying, "Oh, you frame like Wes Anderson," so I'm like, "Okay, I've never seen a Wes Anderson film, but I see the images, yeah, so yeah. maybe something's going on." Uh, but uh, how? Well, his and hers, the structure of it, I was, I honestly got sick when we were making that because I was so petrified that it wasn't going to work and no one would, like, it's because, you know, it was sort of a bit um, of a risk. Yeah. Yeah, because I had people talking about, like, playing football with their daddy and another, you know, talking about an ornament on the shelf. Who's going to be interested? And I was like, if I can interweave this and make it to some of the parts, hopefully it'll come out the other side and have some meaning to it. Uh, But I lost a lot of sleep. I lost a lot of weight, which I think maybe I should go back to (laughs) try the same issues. Uh, But anyway, you were, it was always going to be, uh, it, it, you know, miserable failure or, um, you know, sort of a, it was a risk, but thank God it worked on some level, you know. Beautiful film. I mean, you must still get letters from women from the Midlands and all that. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, they're trying up now, to be I honest, Paul. They are trying up. It's been a while. It's been a while. A lot of people remember it and it is a very much... Uh, you know, I'm very proud of it, and uh, I've been really lucky. I'm so lucky that some of the things I've done have really connected because that's really beautiful. Like the other day, I had a message from someone who was showing um, a useless dog 
out in the Shetland Islands and the first time she showed it was like about 10 years ago and she put on a screening for all the sh- uh, all the local shepherds in the cattle mart <laughs> and they showed us they had to bring their dogs and this was before Isle of Dogs and going back to Wes Anderson everybody's like using it as a promotional tool yeah. she was the first one that invented this it's bring so your dogs rich. yes so um these mo- these are great. Like you just well, that's what because, you for, isn't yeah, it? little yeah. things, random things. You yeah. get messages every so often about something. And you can something. tell when these, you know, these remarks and letters are genuine. You know. Oh yeah. They well, may, may mean that a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, it's not all you know, sunshine and, and rainbows. Uh, so this is the good so cop, the, bad cop. Is it <laughs> yeah, sort of? No, thing? I'm just going to ask you some, yeah. some you know, uh, like. Obviously, I'm sure you've had some massive disappointments along the way as well, uh, and rejections and all those things that come with it as well, because it's not plain sailing. So, yeah, how would you kind of, how would you deal with that end of things? Rejections. Well, and rejections and disappointments and yeah. stress. And stress. Stress would be more, I'd say, more so than disappointments, because disappointments are fleeting. You know, you kind of, yeah. it'll bother you for a day, and then you're like fuck it they don't know what they're missing or whatever you know so I think the stress is more complicated you know Mm. and I would have had um, times when it would have dipped into depression and you know I suppose you know I'd I'd complicated post his and hers I got a bit depressed myself and I think that was because I was so sick of being stressed Mm. and then it kind of so um, and so I've been up and down. I'd be, I wouldn't say I'm okay. <laughs> bipolar or anything, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'd have no more. I think we all, at, by the time you get to my age now, because I'm 44, yeah. most of us have had dips and, you know, the ebbs and the flows in life. Mm-hmm. And it tends to be work related. You know, it does yeah. because this is such a commitment and it kind of consumes you. And, you know, so it all kind of tallies if work's going well your life's going well because it's not work of course I keep calling it work yeah. it's not a job yeah, yeah. I'm it's like still, it still doesn't feel like work no like honestly the last time I didn't want to get out of bed still getting away with this. <laughs> yeah well the last time I didn't want to get out of bed was back in the architects like yeah. I've never had that moment yeah, yeah. like I and that's very genuine I have never went oh my god I so don't want to get out of bed yeah. I mean you know and I'm getting up much earlier now than I ever did to make films yeah. like you know you're up and let's <laughs> grow yeah. whatever yeah. it's good to talk about because that's one of the things we want to do on this podcast um, where we all love what we do and we're sometimes we're nearly afraid to talk about the stress and the negative parts but it is a huge part of it yeah, yeah well, mindfulness generally speaking you know or how people yeah strategize to cope with these situations yeah. or how people just you know and I'm not I have to say I'm much more fortunate than a lot of filmmakers because I have a, and I keep going back to this like I'm not make, doing this on my own I'm working with Andrew Friedman and you know I get up at a Q&A and I the first thing I'm at odds to say is like I'm very lucky um uh, to be here but I don't make these films on my own mm. that there's an editor behind it there's a you know in most cases cinematographer uh, there's sound and these like honestly it can only work uh, my, the, all the projects depend on the people that are invested in them and like for example Steve who's upstairs today you know he was the other person that went around the country with me doing making the grade but you know for all like 
I connected with these people, you know, but Steve also had to connect because yeah, he was yeah. going to be putting on the, you know, and he, it was as much effort for me it was for him as well. Yeah, and, well a rising you know, tide, you know. Yeah, yeah. On boats, but equally, yeah. you know, you know, you all celebrate the success but also commiserate each other when things are not going so well. Yes. So it's very much a team effort. Yeah, it really is. Psychologically as well, you feel as if you're... Yeah, you know, people, in it people have your back. Well, you know, and again, I'll go back to just having a producer that cares. Would you say that a lot of filmmakers in particular take it take too much on board themselves in terms of uh, in terms of them thinking that they have to do run the show themselves? Yeah, or, or maybe I think don't they do. Maybe don't collaborate as much as they should, or devi- you know, deviates responsibility delegate I guess more than they should in that regard I mean are too are yeah, I, trying to do too much well I don't I uh, well this is a difficult one you see because I think the good ones uh, know uh, you know that they can't do it all themselves yeah. and um, and I would have been in the uh, you know I would have been in the camp that would have tried to do it all early days you know and I would have come a cropper yeah uh, and you know I, I learned my lessons early on uh, mm-hmm. that you can't do it all yourself and you need to bring people with you on the journey and therefore you have to respect them and you have to you know of course you question them and so forth but uh, ultimately they're doing their job and please goodness they're going to do a good job of it <laughs> I don't know where I'm going but yeah, no, you know I know, I'm I know like, exactly what you mean yeah, yeah. I do want to talk honestly like one of the things that really gets me down is the, and I'm going back to the producer thing because a lot of filmmakers don't actually get it that the producer is also a filmmaker and that you know for every hour that I'm up stressed I'm guaranteed that Andrew's stressing that same hour if not another 20 to 30 minutes on top of that hour and um, and I think um, they are like they get a bad rap sometimes because they get blamed when things don't go the way of the filmmaker or the way of the director but there is only one other person on the planet that cares as much about your project other than you is your producer and I think maybe if you take it back to relationships and life and like who do you blame and you know when things go wrong you blame the people that love you most sometimes and you take it out on them and you know you know who else do you take it out on but the person that's been the closest to you throughout the project if it's not going so well yeah. or if there are problems and so forth yeah. but the one person that has the same love and intention and care and commitment and yeah. passion is the producer or definitely in my case I've been lucky enough to have that person mm-hmm. I don't know for other filmmakers they might question that but for me I've been for- very fortunate so and I have blamed Andrew on so many occasions inappropriately at the wrong time <laughs> and you know and and no, no, <laughs> no, it's always during and then I always come back and say, God, I'm such a fucking asshole because you know I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for that partnership. Okay, it's a teamwork, a teamwork. So every film I've made, I know you said the Ken Wardrop, it's not just the Ken Wardrop, it's the Andrew Friedman yeah. and Ken Wardrop thing mm, yeah, going yeah. down. So, fi- so find a you know, a partner, yes people make films and you need to connect with people in order to make films mm-hmm. and you need to find that would be my biggest piece of advice for any filmmaker out there trying to to you know get their projects made you have to find someone 
to help you with. I'm working, I told you I'm working with development. You would not believe the amount of people that in advance of an Irish film board application will contact us like the week before yeah, to say, I've yeah, got yeah. a script. Is there any chance you'd like to produce it? I'm like, guys, yeah. we are creative yeah. people. Yeah. We want to be on that journey with yeah. you. We're not a stamp. We're not like coming. We don't just write a budget and throw it in. We want to be involved. We've got things to say and ideas to bring to the table. And, you know, that takes time and effort. We need to be involved early on. Yeah, yeah. You know? And um, lo and behold, it still happens though. Yeah, yeah. You know, all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we just want to finish with talking about Making the Great and well done and such a beautiful film. We just maybe talk about your journey to that. And it's obviously, you, you talked about it earlier on about how proud of you, you are of it. So just maybe we want to encourage people to go see it. So why, why should. Oh. Yeah, why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, you know, it, it's really simple because it is a lot of fun. And I think everybody, um, that, and I'm just speaking, like, yeah. of course there are going to be people not going to enjoy it. Like, I'm not. I, I know that. But in in the vast majority of feedback, and I can only go on feedback because at this stage I hate the film. So I'm not going to be the best at telling it because I've lived through, you know... Um, you know, the hours of pain in the edit. Well, I, you know, I was on, sorry, I was very fortunate because I worked with John O'Connor on this project and it was the most seamless experience ever, actually, because I normally edit my own material, my own work, and I will never do that again. After working with John, it was a revelation. Uh, Just to have another set of eyes and that I can actually come into the room and have an opinion and not be completely lost in the material or in love with everything you know be very hard it takes me about six months to fall out of love with everybody in the you know I want a bit of everything you know so uh, John brought a lot to the table so anyway I'm totally not answering your question why should people go see this I mean it's you've seen it Paul you can't tell us (laughs) What did you take from it? I just really enjoyed it. Cause I, now, I had piano lessons. Yeah. Uh, and I just, the characters, I don't know, you like, how, does, how long does it find, like, how much of it is casting for you? And how much, like, like it's it, a, about allowing enough time to find those people and to give them the time to actually get those, all those kind of comedic gems and the heart and all that. How long does that actually take? Uh, well, casting is really important, yeah. and I've always had the look of working with really good researchers. Yeah. And Seamus Waters, who worked on this with us, he had come in, he'd never worked as a researcher, but you know when you meet someone and you're just like, you'd be great with people, you're going to yeah. do a great yeah. job, and he's fantastic, and he's a yeah. young producer, by the way, if anyone wants to send their scripts, Seamus is available, <laughs> you'll find <laughs> Seamus Waters. Oh, there'll be uh, plenty of people. Yes. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, I think a lot goes down to the casting, let's face it, because they're great characters. Because I don't spend much time with people. I mean, yeah. I had the lesson, which was 40, yeah, normally a lesson 30 minutes, but we yeah. spent 45 minutes. So I literally run in, throw up the lights, and get going. Yeah. <coughs> then we'd spend about an hour with the teacher talking to them. Uh, you know, I suppose two hours for, if that, for B roll. Okay. 
and then um then a day with a day or i say a day it's yeah. not a full day yeah. uh with the the pupils so i would have spent an afternoon or a morning so it's right. quite yeah. it was very relaxed right. we had a great time yeah, yeah. we ate well we stayed in lots of lovely b&b's because <laughs> uh you know and, and it's a beautiful summer and uh yeah it was jolly we yeah. really had a great time but very much lightning in a bottle Yes, like you, you know, you have that short like, space, yeah, you know, absolutely, like yeah, magic in a And it's not, see, this is it, it's not. I never did a piano lesson, so I could not, for the life of me, um, go in and try to make something that was academic or you know, I would glaze over when the yeah. teachers, so I did give all the teachers an opportunity for about 10 to 15 minutes to talk passionately about the process and all of that because yeah. that's. And I did think I'd be able to put some of it in, but ultimately I chased the relationships, I think, you know. Cool. Uh, sorry, I'm getting, no, no, I'm getting quite <laughs> close to that spider um, machine. That's lovely. I think that's a, a nice place to leave it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't sell it very well. No, you did. You did. You did. So we be no, we want to sell, sell, sell. So Fox, <laughs> uh, making the grade is in, is, is it nationwide or where are we? Uh, uh, it's, do you know what? It's very complicated, this approach that <laughs> our distributor has taken it. Uh, so it's currently in the Dun Drum, but not so many screenings there. Okay. It's in Rap Mines, IFI, the Lighthouse, it's in Dunleary, it's in the Palos in Galway, Palos, just get that right, <laughs> it's in the Gate in Cork, it's in the Omniplex in Cork, it's in the uh, Omniplex in Limerick, and it's in the C&L Plex in Roscommon. Now, how many filmmakers in Roscommon are going to listen to this between now and Tuesday or Wednesday? Because yeah, that's probably the way to... But you never know. Yeah, so and then, then maybe VOD down the line. VOD, yes. We're expecting a big buyout from Netflix on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, support uh, Irish yeah, film, ladies and gents. Go and see it um, because it's great. Thanks a million. Thank you so much. You're such a liar. You haven't seen it. <laughs> no, no, I haven't. <laughs>